20 and verse 16. It says, in the New Living Translation, do not testify falsely against your neighbor. Researchers tell us that some of the brightest minds in the world are criminal. An odd paradox that actually makes sense once you step outside the obvious ethical issues. These are the masterminds behind complex schemes and astonishingly, astonishingly brazen acts of deception. They are able to carry out their crimes with such success because they have absolutely no conviction against lying. One such criminal genius is a man by the name of Frank Abengale, and uh, maybe you've heard of him. He appeared on every major talk show. Uh, he was on the Folks on the Family radio show, and he works with hundreds of financial institutions, corporations, and government agencies to combat check forgery. Uh, he certainly has expertise in that area because he uh, cashed a $2.5 million in fraudulent checks in 27 countries between the ages of 16 and 21. He was finally apprehended by the French police and served time in French, Swedish, and United States prison systems. And then he was released only on the condition that he would help the U.S. government without remuneration write policies to curtail white-collar white crimes. And so the story doesn't end there. His incredible success with forgery was only possible because Frank was able to brazenly deceive people from all walks of life. It's been uh, well more than 30 years now since he first became known as the great imposter. His life story was depicted in the best-selling book, Catch Me If You Can, which is, uh, was, uh, was released and re-released in 2000 uh, after being out of print, and then they made it into a movie. It's a fascinating read that uh, documents some of these extraordinary deceptions that Frank pulled off just in order to have access to money. This is what he did. He duped the entire airline industry into thinking he was a Pan Am co-pilot, and he flew all around the world for free. He got certified and hired by an attorney's office in the southern United States. Then he passed the state's bar exam in only four months, despite never set, setting foot in a law classroom. He taught a summer semester in sociology at a small Utah college, despite having no previous knowledge on the subject, and he received such rave reviews that the college wanted to hire him full-time. Doesn't that just, you know, make you really wonder? So he got certified, and he actually ran the entire shift of the pediatric wing of a medical center near Atlanta without taking a single course of medicine. He carried out some incredible deceptions in the banking industry made possible by the naive trust of checking and night deposit customers, precisely because the criminal mind has no conscience about lying. Frank is a firm believer that the only course of action open to banks, companies, and governments is prevention because punishment is so ineffective. It's just, and in his words, he said, it's just too easy to lie. According to the New York Times, 91% of North Americans lie regularly. The majority of us find it hard to get through the week without lying. And 20% of us can't make it through a single day without lying. The Washington Post reports, people lie 92% of the time to save face and 98% of the time to keep from offending someone else. We have all, and everybody say all, we have all been faced with situations when telling the truth was difficult. Lying is a, often a very much easier option 
than telling the truth. Even Time Magazine did a cover story a few years back called Lying, Everybody's Doing It. Our culture's casual view of lying is perhaps most to blame for this trend. After all, uh, our government, media, schools, and most religions now promote situation ethics. The teaching that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Two-thirds of the U.S., 67%, now agree with that statement. And two-thirds of us, 66%, say it's not wrong really to tell lies. Why would it be if there's no such thing as truth anyways? One-third, only one-third of us now agree with the statement, honesty is the best policy. Many Americans revere the first president, George Washington, for his impeccable honesty. How many of you remember reading those stories? Yeah. After all, the story of him cutting down the cherry tree with his hatchet is a small, as a small child and then uh, speaking the, Im, uh, the immortal words or the very famous words that we all have heard. I cannot tell a lie when he was confronted by his father. They're legendary, but even that story is a lie. For those of you that didn't know, it, it was actually concocted by an ex-preacher named Mason Weems to humanize Washington's boring image. He was the original spin doctor, according to the U.S. News and World Report, March 2nd, 1998. Dr. Leonard Keeler, some of you are like, man, I'm so disappointed in Washington. <laughs> You'll get over it, it's okay. Uh, Dr. Leonard Keeler, he was the inventor of the lie detector machine. He has tested 25,000 individuals and has come to the conclusion that human ba uh, beings are just basically, we're just basically deceptive. No kidding? Really? <laughs> How many of you know that human beings are basically just deceptive? We, we deceive for what we want. We angle for our, our, our own uh, advantages. And people now expect, everybody say expect, we expect politicians and anyone else in the public eye to lie if it serves their purpose. It, it's a given that if something is not a right-out lie, then it's probably just a partial truth, a spin, or a distortion. And why are we so complacent with this reality? Probably because it lowers the standards by which we have to measure ourselves against. And so the biblical standard taught by the ninth commandment is so much higher. It is an absolute. It speak the truth. Do not lie. Um, Proverbs 6 and verses 16 through 19 says, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Did you notice that? Two of the seven things that God hates has to do with the ninth commandment against lying. Why? Because God is truth, and lying goes against the very fiber of his being. Hebrews 6, 18 in the New Living Translation, the last part of it says, it is impossible for God to lie. He just can't. He's truth. He cannot tell any lies. Psalm 31, 5 in the New King James, into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. John 14, 6, New Living Translation, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. 
John 4, 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And I know that this is uh, something that we maybe don't think about very often, but why is it that we can only approach God, we can only get to God through the truth? Because until you start being real with yourself, there are some things that just, they, they just need to be handled. You're not going to ever receive forgiveness unless you can come to the truth and say, hey, look, I've done some things that I need to be forgiven for. And, and Jesus, when he said, no man comes to the Father, but by me, nobody can, can access God except by uh, entering into a realm of truth that says, this is who I am, this is where I am. And we're exposed by the Word of God. It's, the Scripture tells us that uh, the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints. And, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. That's why a lot of people don't like to come to church. That's why a lot of people don't like to hang out with people who are people of truth because the truth will, will get in and it will uh, access those innermost thoughts and motives and desires. The cesspool of evil which has now flooded our planet, it began with a lie in the Garden of Eden. When the serpent contradicted the command of God with his words, you shall not surely die. When we choose to lie... We adopt Satan's character and we act like his children. That's why Jesus in the New Testament said, Ye are of your father, the devil. John 8, 44, New Living Translation, You are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning and has always hated the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Nothing destroys the credibility of a Christian as quickly as lying as a lying tongue. People that cannot be believed, people that cannot be trusted, you can't serve the God of truth with a, with a mouth that spews out lies. People won't believe it. Our society has conditioned us to minimize the seriousness of lying, and that's why it's so hard to break that behavioral pattern. Can I just say this, parents? We need to confront dishonesty whenever we detect it in our children. The sooner you disrupt that pattern, the easier it will be to break. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I stand before you a living example. My mom's probably back there shaking her head. I'm not looking at her right now. But she, she used to tell me, why don't you stop lying? Because I'd tell one lie to cover up the one that I had before, and before you know it, I'm down this lion path and it's bad man it, I can't even get myself out of it and told some of the most ridiculous lies and they knew they probably knew at the first lie it was bad but I just kept on going you know and they you know so I, I I'll never forget there were times uh that they did they did extreme things in my life to get me to stop lying they made sure that I knew how important not lying was So now I'm raising my kids, and, you know, I got good kids for the most part. But guess what? Every last one of them has told me lies. They have. And you know what we did? You know what we did whenever they told us lies? Man, I'm telling you what. Hardcore. You're not ready for this. Sweet Sister Kathy. Pull out the Bible on them. 
and make them read. All liars will have their part in the lake of fire that burns. And they have to read it. Why? Because we want them to understand there are consequences for lying. And so we go, oh, well, they were just trying to get out. I don't care why they lied. I don't care if they thought they were going to be in the worst trouble ever. They were going to get the worst spanking ever. They were going to lose all their privileges. What? I don't care. Tell me the truth. You've got to tell the truth because if you're not telling the truth, if we don't disrupt that pattern in our children, guess what? They learn how to lie. And they'll just keep lying and they'll lie the rest of their lives. I'm glad that my parents cared enough to spank me. I'm glad that they cared enough to put my face in the corner. I'm glad that they cared enough to take away the things that I didn't like, that, that I really liked to do. Why? Because it taught me not to lie. I learned that lying was no fun. It brought bad stuff into my life. And so now as an adult, you know, I, I, I do my very best to not only not lie, but also to always represent the truth well. Because you can, you can not lie and also misrepresent the truth. Well, I better move on because some of you are getting a little nervous. Your seat's getting warm. So, <clears throat> if you start when they're children, not when they're teenagers. If you start when they're children. But if they're teenagers and you haven't started yet, you, you better start now. You better get a hold of that now, because the older they get, the worse it gets, and the less control you're going to have. Ephesians 4.25, we are part of the same body. Stop lying and start telling each other the truth. Colossians 3.9, and stop lying to each other. You have given up your old way of life with its habits. You're not supposed to keep doing the same things you, you used to do. Psalm 101.7, New Living Translation, I will not allow deceivers to serve me, and liars will not be allowed to enter my presence. How many of you like to be around people who lie all the time? You know, one of the things I, I was told uh, this, this past week when I was in Haiti is they said one of the characteristics of, of uh, many of the Haitian people is they just lie. They'll lie about anything. Like you can ask them something and they'll just, they'll just lie just for the sake of lying. Um, I don't know because I couldn't understand most of what they were saying, so I don't know if they lied to me or not. And the one thing that I thought was really funny is I would say something to them, and they'd say, okay. And that just, you know, it didn't really mean okay. So I was accustomed to that because, like, I say, honey, is everything okay? Yeah, everything's okay. It's okay. <laughs> she said, don't go there. Don't go there. But okay doesn't mean okay. I mean, I, I think we have to learn how to uh, be truth tellers and truth representers and speak the truth and, and also if there's a way that we can uh, not deceive even when we're not lying. Does that make sense? Because we can present and, and this be deceptive without even saying a word. Sometimes it's what we don't say as much as what we do say. Let me move on. What's a definition for lying? Lying is simply an intention to mislead. When you tell a half-truth, you're telling a whole lie. You can lie by falsifying information, or you can lie by withholding information, and you can even lie without saying a word. The King James Version tells us not to bear false witness. So whenever we even carry false information, then we're violating the spirit of the ninth commandment. 
Uh, let me give you a simple illustration. There was a teenage boy who was supposed to be home by his curfew at midnight. Instead, he came in at 2 a.m., and uh, after everyone was already asleep, and as he crept up the stairs, he stepped on that one step that creaked loudly, and it woke up his dad. And he heard, is that you, son? And his, his dad asked very sleepily, and he said, yeah, it, it's me. He said, what time is it? And, uh, man, before he could say a word, a cuckoo clock, it struck, it struck twice. And the boy later said, it was the most ingenious moment of my life when I stood there and I cuckooed ten more times. <laughs> it sounds like something I would have done, you know. <laughs> Why do we lie, though? I mean, think about it. Why do we lie? Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, sometimes when my kids have lied, I say, why did you lie? Like, what, what, what did you think you were going to accomplish? You know, you're just going to get out of a little bit of trouble here. What, you know, what was the thinking? And, and it's funny how God really, if you're praying for your children, it's funny how God will put lie detectors in parents. Like, you can look, no, you're lying to me. There's some, I know, you know, it's like, oh, you have eyes in the back of your head. No, I have a lie detector. It was placed in me by God. <laughs> Once you understand the motivation behind your lying, then you can deal with the real issue because lying is not your real problem. It's just a symptom of a deeper problem. Perhaps it would be helpful to categorize lies according to the motivation behind them. St. Augustine, he said that there are eight different kinds of lies. Mark Twain said that there are 869 different kinds of lies. Oh, my goodness. But to save a little bit of time, let's just look at five kinds of lies, okay? So the first lie is the cruel lie. The cruel lie. The motivation for the cruel lie is resentment. This is the kind of lie you tell to get revenge on somebody who has hurt you. So to get even with them, you, you misrepresent or slander them with words that are intentionally destructive or malicious. Like repeating gossip, you know, the unnecessary bearing of information. You know, well, you need to pray for so-and-so because they... Yeah, that's cruel. That is cruel. And you know what? It's been it's scary because sometimes it slips out before people even realize it. So repeating gossip falls under this category of the cruel lie. Before you ever repeat information to someone else, stop and think. And you guys have heard me say this before, but think: Is it true? Is it true? <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, maybe it is true. You know, and, and this is my, my version of true. Did you, do you know that firsthand? If you don't know that firsthand, you don't know for sure that it's true. Don't repeat it. And even if you do know it firsthand and you know that it's true, is it helpful? Why are you sharing it? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Think. Think before you speak. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? The quickest way to determine if somebody is spreading gossip is to ask them this question. Can I quote you on that? 
Can I quote you on that? Now, I'm going to post that on my Facebook, and is it okay if I tag you in it and, and put it that you told me? No, I'm not, don't do that. Just ask him if you can quote him on that. Notice their sudden hesitation because no one wants to take responsibility for a rumor. Gossips are like verbal terrorists. They throw their bombs into a public square and then they run away, ducking accountability for it. Proverbs 26.20, New Living Translation, fire goes out for lack of fuel and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Some people protest, well, I'm not gossiping because my information is true. But the Bible takes a different viewpoint. Look at what it says in Proverbs 17, 9. Disregarding another person's faults preserves love. Telling about them separates close friends. The cruel lie. Number two, the cowardly lie. What's the motivation of the cowardly lie? It's fear. This is the kind of lie you tell when, you know, you know you're about to get in trouble. The spanking is on the line. You escape, you want to escape consequences. You want to avoid punishment. You want to protect yourself. Adam told this kind of lie in the Garden of Eden when he sinned. Many people tell this kind of lie when they want to cope with peer pressure of one kind or another. Also, when we say, I can't, and what we really mean is, I don't want to, we're telling a cowardly lie. Anybody ever said, can you, blah, 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 oh, you know, I can't. Why don't you just tell them the truth? You know what? I, I don't want to do that. Yep, I can see we still, we still got some work to do, don't we? Because we're, you know, we're social liars. Well, anyways. The following quote comes from the Toronto News in July 26, 1977. These are actual statements on insurance forms. These drivers are trying to summarize the accident details in as few words as possible, and, and they want to try to avoid admitting guilt at the same time, and that's not an easy task. So this is some of the statements that were made. These were captured in that newspaper, and this is what they said. Coming home, I drove into the wrong house and collided with a tree I don't have. Uh, another one was, the other car collided with mine without warning, uh, giving warning of its intent. Uh, another one was, I collided with a stationary truck coming the other way. Uh, this one is, in my attempt to kill a fly, I drove into a telephone pole. I've known a few people that have come close. Uh, another one was, I had been shopping for plants all day and was on my way home. As I reached an intersection, a hedge sprang up, obscuring my vision, and I did not see the other car. Uh, this one was, my car was legally parked as it backed into the other vehicle. The car was legally. Anyways. As I approached the intersection, a sign suddenly appeared in a place where no sign had ever appeared before, making me unable to avoid the accident. Sign just came out of nowhere. This one was, I told the police I was not injured, but upon removing my hat, I found that I had a fractured skull. I didn't notice until I took my hat off, and I was like, hey, there's. <laughs> uh, this one is one of my favorites. A pedestrian hit me and went under my car. I don't know how that happened. 
This one says, I thought my window was down, but I found out it was up when I put my head through it. <laughs> Can you imagine? I, I thought it was, but I, anyways. Uh, this one says, this guy was, the guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. Another one said, an invisible car came out of nowhere, struck my car, and vanished. It's an invisible car. I don't know how that happened. Uh, this one, a pedestrian, the pedestrian had no idea which way to run, so I ran him over. <laughs> that, that sounds accurate. Get out of the way! Uh, this one says, a truck backed through my windshield into my wife's face. Uh, that's... That's tragic. Uh, this one says, I had been driving for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. That's a long time to be driving. <laughs> I was driving for 40 years, and then I fell asleep. Uh, I was on my way to the doctor with rear-end trouble when my universal joint gave way, causing me to have an accident. <laughs> uh, okay, last one. I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. <laughs> it's not true, Don. I, it's not what I did. I just, I just read that. <laughs> so you can see it's, you know, sometimes complicated to tell the truth, but telling the truth is always the best. Proverbs 29:25 says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but to trust the Lord means safety. So sometimes when you have to put yourself out there and you have to realize this could get me in trouble, it's still always the best option to tell the truth. Um, number three, let's talk about the, we talked about the cowardly lie and the cruel lie. Let's talk about the conceited lie, the conceited lie. The motivation for the conceited lie is insecurity. It's the kind of lie when you tell when you really want to impress others. You want to create an image, you want to brag, or you want to cover up low self-esteem. When you exaggerate to prop yourself up, it comes off to others as pride and ego. But what it really is when you get behind the facade is it's an insecure person that doesn't see himself as good enough. And that's why it's so dangerous to get into the conceited lie. Because 40% of North Americans admit to exaggerating on their resumes for this very reason. In order to get a job or in order to get a promotion. We commonly exaggerate stories to make them more interesting or statistics to make them more impressive. But God says that's lying. Proverbs 10, 19 uh, in the New Living Translation says this. says, don't talk too much for it fosters sin. Be sensible and turn off the flow. Have you ever wanted to tell somebody that, hey, turn off the flow? Don't want to hear it anymore. Shut it. Zip it up. And if, you know, if you do it in the right way, it can be productive. Uh, you may need to say, hey, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says don't talk too much. No, it's going to be complicated because people that are, conceited or they come across as uh, conceited, most of the time it's because they're insecure. It's not because they, they really think themselves more highly than everybody. A lot of times it's because they're insecure and they feel uh, a little bit lower than everybody else, and so they try to overcompensate for that. So this is a very important one. Don't, don't get into
into the conceited lie trap. Let's go to number four. Number four is the calculated lie. Uh, the, the motivation for the calculated lie is selfishness. This is the kind of lie you tell to manipulate others to get your own way at any cost. All right. All you control freaks, listen up. People who love money, modern uh, society calls those people con men, right? They do this all the time. They, they know how to manipulate people into getting what they want. But so do people who flatter others in an attempt to win them over. Sir Walter Rowley, he calls flatterers the worst kind of traitors, for they strengthen our imperfections and correct us in nothing. Anytime you lead a person to believe something about himself that isn't true, you keep him from dealing bravely and correctly with the truth. This is why it's so important, and, and you know, we need to compliment people, we need to encourage people, we need to you know, uplift people, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that, but be careful that we don't get into flattering people and saying things just to make people feel good, just to build them up, because you're about to move in for the kill. You want to make them feel good so that they'll do something for you. Proverbs 26, 28 says, watch out for anyone who tells lies and flatters. They are out to get you. When somebody first meets me and they tell me how wonderful I am or they, they, they just start coming to the church and like the first Sunday they, they talk about how great this church is. I told this story uh, to somebody not too long ago, but we had this, this anniversary. I'll never forget. We had this anniversary. We went over to Colvin Community Center for the church, uh, for the church's anniversary, and we had this, this uh, couple, and they had only come to the church like two times, I think, and this was like their second time ever coming to the church, and at the end of the, the dinner, there were some people that wanted to stand up and kind of talk about the church and what the church meant. And this, this, this guy stands up, and you would have thought that this, our church was like the best church in the entire world. The way he made everything sound, it was like we could do no wrong. And the pastor was great, and the messages were great, and everybody was so wonderful and lovely and awesome. And, and, and then after that wonderful, flattering speech... We never saw him come to church again. I know they lived in town because I ran into him at the store several times. It was awkward. Uh, but what do you do with that? You know, this is what the scripture says. You have to watch out for anybody who is a flatterer. And I'm, you know, I'm a parent of two teenage daughters. I'm trying to get my, my daughters to understand this. You gotta watch out for guys who will start flattering you and you know trying to flirt with you and make you feel something. The reason that they a lot of them do that is because they're after something. Watch out for flatterers. You know, even guys. I, I my son. You know, I tell him. I said, you don't you don't just need a girl who's just gonna tell you you know how wonderful you are and how awesome you are. And you know, I said, you need somebody who loves Jesus who will tell you the truth. You know, if there's a booger in your nose, you need to know. <laughs> Romans 16, 18, New Living Translation says, Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests by smooth talk and glowing words. They deceive innocent people. You can deceive people by smooth talking, you know, uh, by being a smooth talker. Well, 
that's the calculated lie. I guess, you know, we should move on to number five, the convenient lie. The motivation for the convenient lie is laziness. This is the kind of lie you tell to avoid involvement simply because it takes time and effort to actually tell the truth. It's a pattern of lying that is easily, uh, it's easy for us. We fall into it in social situations. It's often called diplomacy. But if you tell an untruth or stretch the truth to be tactful, it's lying. And you never achieve a right result with a wrong action. Proverb, or, sorry, Psalm 34, 12, and 13, New Living Translation, Do any of you want to live a life that is long and good? Then watch your tongue. Keep your lips from telling lies. I'm, I'm trying to decide if, I'm, if I need to say what I'm about to say, but Somebody asked me one time, they said, preacher, you know it's going to be a good question when they start with preacher. Preacher, if your wife asks you if something looks good and it doesn't, what do you tell her? They were talking about their wife. They were saying, well, if, if your wife, and, and what do you tell her? I said, well, does she look good? And, and he said, well, most of the time. And I said, well, then what do you do the other times? He said, it's kind of a bad deal like you know what, what am I supposed to do he said if I if I don't say anything then she she just kind of looks at me like and then we have a problem and he said but then I feel bad if I say yeah it looks good but it doesn't he said so I don't know what to do I said you know what you just got to tell the truth but sometimes it's best if you just follow that scripture that I just read and that scripture says Keep your lips from telling lies. So if you can't say anything good, don't say anything. And he said, that's going to be awkward. I said, let it be awkward. You know, you, you got to be truthful. Um, you know, I've got three girls in my house. And occasionally they'll say, does this look good? <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, well. And what I'll tell them is the other one looked better. You know, I like the other one better. And, and I, I've got to tell the truth, even when it's that personal, right? You don't want to offend. You don't want to hurt. But you've you got to be truthful. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you guys do. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying it's easy to tell convenient lies. All right, four ways we must speak the truth. Man, y'all got it easy. All you have to do is listen to me talk about this. I'm up here having to talk it, teach it, and live it great thing about preaching. You get to live what you preach. Number one, this is how you tell the truth. Number one, tell the truth completely. Proverbs 10.10, someone who holds back the truth causes trouble. When we conceal the truth, we cause resentment, mistrust, and superficiality in our relationships. If you don't face issues eventually in a relationship, then eventually emotions will explode. Um, if you're not being honest about your feelings in your marriage, then you are undermining your marriage. If you just keep glossing over it and ignoring that there's a problem. It, it may be unpleasant to confront at first, but if it helps the person change their character for the better, then they will appreciate it in the long run. Um, I, I have told my kids and I've told my wife uh, several times, I, we tell our kids, we're, we're helping you, we want you to see this because we don't want you to grow up to be a jerk. 
And I tell my wife, tell me if there's something that, that is, you know, glaringly obvious about me that makes me a jerk. I want to know. Because if I'm being a jerk, you're the best one to tell me. You see me day in and day out. You see me with my kids. You see me with church people. You see me with you. Uh, sometimes you just, you need to have that kind of relationship. Uh, it's not always easy, you know. Uh, and, and there are, you know, good times and, and not so good times to have these honest conversations. And some of you are like, I don't ever want to have that conversation. But it's needful, right? Proverbs 28, 23, in the end, people appreciate frankness more than flattery. I, I want to know if there's something that makes me a jerk. I want to know because I want to change it. Sometimes I'll just ask my wife, did I say that right? Was that, how did that come out? That wasn't. You know, usually I can tell by her face. <laughs> like, that didn't come out right, did it? <laughs> Number two, tell the truth consistently. Do it completely, but also do it consistently. Ephesians 4.15, Amplified Version says, Let our lives lovingly express the truth in all things. Speak truly, dealing truly, living truly. Being honest, 90% of the time is not integrity. It's like the boy who cried wolf. Eventually, you don't know whether... They're telling the truth or not, so you don't believe them any of the time. You know, I, it's one of those things where you, you've got to be able to trust. Honesty has got to be a lifestyle. Nobody has a good enough memory to be a good liar. Lying sabotages our success, destroys relationships, and honestly, it damages our character. Every relationship is built on one word, trust. Eventually, a dishonest person has no relationships because no one can trust them. I want to be able to be trusted. Amen. Proverbs 11.3, it says people who can't be trusted are destroyed by their own dishonesty. It's not anybody else that does it to them. They do it to themselves. Number three, not only do we tell the truth completely and consistently, but we need to do it lovingly. Ephesians 4.29, speak only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. The truth is never to be used as a club beating people up. Being honest doesn't mean being brutal. In the words of an old Arab proverb, when you shoot an arrow, dip it in honey first. As Paul said, we need to speak, number one, what is helpful. Number two, what builds others up. Number three, what meets others' needs. And number four, what is beneficial. Somebody's going to have an insurance that they're going to have to write. They <laughs> remember these, you know, the thing is, we need to remember these things. Think of someone you would like to help change. Now, don't point at them. Don't look at them directly. Don't just think of someone you would like to help change, Okay. If you really want to help them, not yourself, then remember two things, okay? Here's two things. This is a secret. Like some of you, if you don't know this, you need to know this, so pay close attention. If you want to change people, this is, this is the key. First of all, people change easier and faster when you speak the truth in a spirit of love. If they think that you're just being mean, they're not going to accept it. Matter of fact, it's probably going to push them further away. But when you speak the truth in love, uh, they accept it much easier. And the second thing is people always perceive truth without love as an attack on them, which causes them to resist it and be defensive. 
So if you're going to tell somebody things that they need to know in order to change, do it in the right way. Speak the truth in love. Well, how do I know if I'm speaking the truth in a spirit of love? Ask yourself one question, and this will tell you if you're doing it in the spirit of love. You ask yourself this question. Who am I trying to benefit? Who am I trying to benefit? Do I just need to get this off my chest, or am I really trying to help these people? Some couples uh, come for counseling repeatedly with the same old problems, and they say stuff like, well, we just can't make any progress. Well, in these cases, someone is not telling the truth completely, consistently, or lovingly. That's the problem. Because if we'll tell the truth and we'll do it in love, then we can get things worked out. We can get things figured out. Because generally, you don't, you don't marry somebody or stay married to somebody that you don't want to work things out with. So if they're still married, they, they, they should be trying to work things out, but they need to do it completely, consistently, and lovingly. Speaking the truth. Couples, uh, beware of absolute statements and exaggerations. I tell this to uh, pre-marriage couples. The, the most problematic area of truthfulness for most people is these absolute statements. They always polarize a conversation and they prohibit constructive communication. Stuff like, you never do this or you always do that. Because that's not true. It's just not true. They don't ever, like whatever it is, and they don't always whatever it is. You always say blah, blah, blah. No, they don't. I mean, they probably say it a lot, but they don't do it always. And so when you make those statements, that basically pushes them away. Real communication plus real determination will equal progress. Proverbs 13, 17, reliable communication permits progress. Think about it. Number four. All right, tell the truth tactfully. This is my favorite one. Proverbs 12, 18, sharp words cut like a sword, but words of wisdom heal. Whenever you have to share a tough truth, the solution is never deception. It is tact. Do you know I pray for this? I, I pray that I have more tact. Because sometimes I just feel like, God, you didn't give me a big enough brain to be tactful about some of the things I need to say. That's just not true. He did give me a big enough brain. I just need to pray about it and let him lead my words and guide my words so that I use tact. The truth does set you free, but remember that you have an option with your words. You can hurt or you can heal. You can devastate or you can develop. You can tear down or you can build up. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. Amen. Honesty means that everything you say must be true, not that everything true must be said all the time. Were that the case, no eulogy could be given without upsetting the family. <laughs> I don't go in, if somebody asks me to come and do their funeral, I don't go in looking for all the bad things to say about them. Nobody wants me to get up and say, oh, yeah, so-and-so here today. Man, they were a real jerk, you know. Uh, treated people bad. You should have you heard what he said to his son when he was 14. I mean, that guy, what is his problem? No, we don't do that. Why? Because that's not always helpful. It's not always helpful to say every true thing. You know, we don't want every true thing that we've ever done or said or, or thought held against us. 
And so we have to use our words to say the, the true things, but true things that are helpful, true things that are uh, inspiring and, and benefiting. Mike Murdoch's song, The Kindest Word is an Unkind Word Unsaid. The kindest word is an unkind word unsaid. Man, I wish so many times that I would have just not said it, right? If I ever, if I ever have something you wish you just could have taken back, man, I wish I hadn't. I just... If I would have just shut my mouth, right? Learn how to make a point without making an enemy. Plan your presentation. Contemplate before you communicate. Put your mind in gear before you put your mouth in motion. Oh, it's hard for us talkers. Because, like, we're thinking as we're talking, we're going to get to it eventually. And, you know... My wife, she has a different approach. Like she thinks and 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 thinks and, thinks and, thinks and, thinks and, thinks and then she speaks. And I'm like, God, why couldn't I be so much more like Kathy? Because I speak and speak and speak and then I think, man, I wish I wouldn't have spoke so much. Oh, well. Timing is everything in solving problems in a marriage or in a family. Ecclesiastes 8, 6, there is a right time and a right way to do everything. So what's the cure for lying? Because we need the cure for lying. Um, if, you wanna, if you really want to change, you've got to realize that the beginning of honesty is the confession of dishonesty. To, to realize, hey, yes, I've got a problem. Uh, this, you, you start from that point. You must admit, I'm a liar. I have lied. I lie. And sometimes we don't even realize a problem. You know, some of us, some of us are thinking, yeah, pastor, this is good, but really, I mean, do you really think most of us here, uh, do you think that we have a problem with this? I think we all have a problem with this. I think every single one of you lie. I think I lie at times, and I have to, you know, am I bearing false witness? Am I misrepresenting something? And sometimes whenever I have done that, I'll go back and I'll say, you know what, I said that, but I really shouldn't have said it like that, or I, and I try to correct it, because I, sometimes I don't even realize I lied. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you're going to leave me hanging up here, aren't you? I see it. How many lies does it take to make me a liar, Pastor? One. That's why I think we're all liars. God helped me to be more interested in character than reputation. Reputation is what others think I am. Character is what I really am. Reputation is what I am when others are looking. Character is what I am when no one is looking. Reputation will last for a lifetime. Character will last for eternity. Reputation is what impresses people. Character is what impresses God. People lie all the time to build their reputation, not realizing that they are simultaneously destroying their character. Matthew 12, 34 for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus said that what's in your heart and what is what's going to come out of your mouth. So when it comes to lying, the heart of the issue is the issue of our heart. If I'm going to be an honest person, I have to deal not with my mouth, but with my motivation. If my heart's filled with resentment, then I will end up telling cruel lies. If my heart is filled with fear, then I will end up telling cowardly lies. If my heart is filled with insecurity, I'm going to end up telling conceited lies. If my heart is filled with selfishness, then I will end up telling calculated lies. And if my heart is filled with laziness, then I will end up telling convenient lies. So really, the only way for me to stop lying is to get a new heart. 
Some of you are thinking Wizard of Oz right now. That's not what I was talking about. You need to get a new heart. The good news is that Jesus specializes in heart transplants. He said, I want to give you a new heart. I want to put a new heart within you. I want to take the old, stony, lying heart out of your flesh and put a new heart in you. So tonight, uh, this, is our, this is our homework. I want you to examine yourself. I want you to think about some of the things that you've said, maybe the convenient lies that you've told or the cowardly or the conceited lies you've told recently. And I want you to pray, and I want you to talk to God about this and say, God, help me to be a person of truth. Help me to be somebody who values truth and honesty above everything else and help me to take on your character and not to keep lying. Amen? Amen. God is so good to us, and uh, I'm, I'm so thankful that you're here tonight, and I will talk probably a little bit uh, on Sunday about Haiti. I may have a few pictures or whatever to show you on Sunday. Some of you have already seen, uh, how many of you have already seen some of my posts on social media? Okay, a few of you have. I'll try to show a few pictures on Sunday for those who aren't on social media. Uh, had a, a good trip, a productive trip, a safe trip. Uh, I know my wife was pleading the blood, so uh, thank you all for, for your prayers. I felt your prayers. Uh, we did, for those of you that don't know, we did uh, have seven uh, first-year Bible college students get baptized in Jesus' name on Saturday. That was awesome. Uh, we're excited about that. And I believe there's more to come. It's, it's, uh, there's so much going on there that the missionaries have just gotten back from being on deportation for a year. And uh, they had some, uh, he had some medical problems, some health problems. And so they had some extended time away, uh, which kind of they're, they're trying to catch back up with some of the things that are going on there now. Uh, and so there's a little bit of uh, lapse uh, with some things. And so they're trying to get caught up. So we were helping them do that and uh, got a chance to spend time at, uh, at three different orphanages. Um, and, and I can just tell you that uh, it, will, it will really change your perspective uh, if you see the conditions that, that these children live in, that these people live in. Um, and then, you know, you, you say, well, I don't have a nice place to live or, I don't, you know, my my vehicle's not that nice, or whatever you, whatever you want to say, um, it's, it's one of those things where when you, when you realize the, the, uh, the poverty that they live in, everything that we have is so much nicer. It, you know, even the, the worst off among us uh, has so much more. Um, I, took, I took several clothes uh, with me that, that I have will not be wearing very much, so I, I was like, I'm going to just leave some of these clothes. I, I, I knew that that was going to be the case, so I left several shirts and ties and uh, some other things, and uh, I, I left, I had a, my pair of dress shoes was kind of wearing out, and I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll take them, wear them while I'm there, and then I'll just leave them. Um, they, you, you should see just the excitement level just to get used clothes, just for them to get used clothes. Uh, we took to the to the uh, kids at the orphanage. We took them uh, some Tootsie Pops and some uh, some dental supplies that my dentist gave me to take, and uh, some different things like that. And uh, just they they're so appreciative, they're so thankful, um, and just to see their eyes light up, just you know, it's just incredible um, for things that you know our kids would probably whatever you know, it's just no big deal. 
Uh, and I, and I, I'm, I'm thankful and grateful that I got that opportunity to see that and to, to interact with those kids. And uh, one, of the, one of the cool things that happened, there were several cool things that happened. One of the cool things that happened um, was the, uh, the, the translator that was there, uh, he, he just like three weeks ago, he, he started translating, but three weeks ago, uh, God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And um, he is doing an incredible job now. He is actually uh, working with the missionaries. And uh, it's one of those one of those things where now he is pouring into these uh, the children and uh, working at the school and teaching at the English school. Uh, but they, I went to the the English. Uh, they teach English to the kids because they all want to learn how to speak English. Uh, but uh, we, many of you guys know that with our kids, I usually will will bump fists with them, you know. And so I was bumping a lot of fists and as many fists as I could bump. I was bumping a lot of fists there and. Uh, so I always, with our kids, I'll, I'll bump their fists and I'll say, potato, potato, and then I say, french fries. And so the, the, some of the little ones, they say it in French, but it's Creole. And uh, so I had to learn the, the Creole word for uh, potato, which I kept saying wrong. It's pomme pom de terre. And uh, so I kept, I, I kept messing it up so they would laugh. They thought that was funny. But this this one little this one little girl she came up to me and she wanted to she wanted to do it and uh, she had been sad the whole day and I bumped fists and I said pom de terre pom de terre pom frites and she just laughed and giggled and I tell you what that just made my whole it really made my whole trip just to see her face like she had been so sad and then she just got to have so much laughter in life and uh, I I'm so thankful uh, that. When we go places, we get to shine Jesus' love. We get to shine Jesus' light. And something as simple as just, uh, you know, talking to, to kids in, in Creole, which I do not speak at all, um, just to make them have a good time was, was fun. So thank you for allowing me to be going this uh, past weekend and for uh, me to help the missions and missionaries. Uh, I know that you you understand, and I, I, I realize that... Uh, you know, some of you could be like, well, Pastor, we want you here. We need you here. I'm, I'm thankful that you allow other people to step up and uh, teach and preach and uh, that you support and pray for me when I'm gone. And uh, I feel your prayers. I, I'm perfectly healthy. I did not come back with any major diseases or anything. And uh, everything is good. God is good to me. This weekend is going to be a good weekend. We will have, um, we have our Purpose Institute on Saturday. There's a youth rally on Friday night uh, that the kids will be uh, going to, I'm not sure, Sister Lisa's not in here, Brother Joe, do you know what time they need to be here? 5.30. All right, so 5.30 is what time they need to be here. Um, and then Sunday we will have a special guest. We'll have Ron Elliott from Addisonville. Uh, he's a pastor friend of ours. Him and his family will be here with us uh, speaking for us at both of the 10 a.m. and the 2 p.m. service. Uh, so you will want to be a part of that. And I'm excited about what God's going to do. We're going to have a great weekend, and uh, hopefully everybody will be over sickness. I have been praying like you guys would not believe. I've been praying for this sickness to go. I am so ready for this flu and cold season to be over. And uh, so in Jesus' name, 